the athletic mindset of like, what's in front of me now? What do I have to deal with right here? And do that to my best ability and know that I'll get new information and then I'll have to adapt and change again. And that's okay. Welcome to Behind the Sweat, a podcast that goes deep into what it means to be an athlete. I'm your host, Alexandra Weissner, athlete, coach, and entrepreneur. Life right now is so different and we are all looking for a little extra motivation and inspiration. This got me thinking too, what does it mean to be an athlete? I decided that I was going to ask others this question and have them share their story and thoughts. Today, my guest is Jillian Keveny, co-owner at Compass Fitness in Denver. Jillian began playing sports early in life, securing a college basketball scholarship. Our conversation touches on how tragedy impacted her life and brought her to Denver, the passion behind opening a studio of her own, which is completely trainer-owned, and nutrition, and why we all need to be paying more attention to what we eat. This is such a great conversation for anyone that wants to look into the boutique world of fitness. Welcome to the podcast, Jillian. Welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in Manatee Springs, Colorado. I I consider it like the boulder of Colorado Springs. Um, I actually went to the same high school my mom went to. Um, It was 3A, so I had about 120 people in my graduating class. And um, yeah, I I loved it. It was a perfect size for me, and, and sports was like a massive, massive part of my life. I played volleyball and basketball for Manitou, and then I actually played tennis for Coronado High School. It's a 5A school in my school district because I actually lived in the Coronado district, but I, our school didn't have it. So I did that my junior and senior year, just kind of like on a whim. Um, and then I played club volleyball in Colorado Springs as well. That's awesome. What, yeah, how did that, like, especially with, like approaching college or really being a student athlete, how did that affect your life? Oh my gosh, I could talk about this for a very long time. It was very important. I mean, sports were a part of my life from a very young age. I was very physical. And, um, you know, I got to high school. I had a really close connection with my high school coach. She actually taught or coached me in both volleyball and basketball. Her name was Bridget, not was, she's still alive. Her name is Bridget O'Connor. And, um, she was just a very big role model in my life and pushed me really hard um, to be the athlete that I was and became. Um, and then I, my junior year, January of my junior year, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer and he died in March. So it was very fast. Like I said, I found out at the beginning of January, he died in March. And it was like at the um, end of my junior year basketball season. And his, his and I connection was through sports. Like that was our bond for sure. And so it was a pretty uh, traumatic ending to my junior year. And like Bridget was just kind of the person that like picked me up off the floor and helped me continue forward and deal with that grief. And then also push to get a scholarship. I, I ended up getting a basketball scholarship to Mesa State University, which is now Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. Yeah, it was a wild ride. My senior year was like full of mixed emotions. I was actually like on track to play volleyball in college and was playing club and sent out all of my recruiting stuff. And then the last minute in March of my senior year, I, I decided to play basketball instead and Mesa had been recruiting me. So I made kind of a last minute change. But um, I mean, sports were everything. It was my camaraderie. It was you know, my family outside of my family, it was a distraction amidst my grief. And it was just like 
my passion and I, I definitely knew that I had the drive and is even being five foot four, um, I made it up <laughs> for that height with my determination, speed and agility, agility, I'll say. No, that's awesome. And like, I totally get that. And like, I played basketball for a while, but when I was playing basketball in five, four, everyone else still hadn't grown. So I was the tallest person. And then once everyone else started growing, I found other, a different sport. <laughs> yeah. Things changed. Things changed. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. And then when you were in college, did you study anything sports related or were you thinking a different path professionally? Yeah. Um, so my degree is in kinesiology. And so I, the intent of choosing that was I thought that I wanted to work on the business side of sports, like either for the Olympic training center or for a sport, like a professional sports team. I liked the business side, but I liked the athletics. And I actually did an internship my senior year with the Kansas city chiefs. I lived in Kansas city for January to May of my senior year of college. And I worked for the chiefs in the marketing department and then after I graduated, I tried really hard. I moved back to Colorado Springs and tried to get a job with the USOC, and it didn't happen. And so I started personal training. Um, I eventually managed a running specialty store. I opened up Lululemon down there. And then I eventually, when I moved to Denver, kind of got into the group fitness and group yoga uh, situation. That's awesome. So when you moved to Denver, you know, where were you teaching? Kind of what was that trajectory that then eventually – led you to Compass. And for those who don't know, tell us about Compass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I moved to Denver in 2013. At my Another traumatic moment, my brother was in a really severe uh, Vespa accident, was in a coma for a month, and he lived here. And so two things happened. That happened, and he was recovering. And then also Lululemon offered me a job to manage one of the Cherry Creek stores. So that was the precipice for my move to Denver. And then when I was working at Lululemon, um, I started, I, I found a studio in town um, called Pearl Street Fitness and I was teaching there. And then I kind of six months into moving to Denver, I realized that I loved Lululemon as a brand and I still do. I just couldn't do the retail life anymore. And so I said yes to teaching yoga and fitness pretty much all over town. I was teaching like 20 classes a week, just killing myself. And so then I managed a couple studios. I started DJing fitness and yoga events on the side. I started kind of co-producing some fitness and yoga events with Sound Off Colorado. This is like a really making a long story short. And then, yeah, let's see, two years ago, so like five years into my move to Denver, um, Heather Lawrence and I started talking about if we wanted to open up our own space. Like I had met her in Colorado Springs at Core Power. She was my first yoga sculpt teachers in like 2010. And when I moved back to Denver, her and I reconnected and we're just kind of teaching at some of the same places. And I think we both hit this point in our lives where we had learned so many lessons from all the studios we had taught at. And we also were getting older and we were like, uh, so we can't like teach 20 classes a week and, you know, when we're 45 and have a family and want to like still have a body that works. And so what are we going to do here? And we just thought, you know, now's the time if we're going to try to do our own thing, we should try it. Even though her and I were probably trying like actively avoiding a brick and mortar because we saw how much work and stress go into this 
business platform, um, yet we were just so motivated and driven by all the connections we had made over 10 years that we were like, you know, let's give this a go. We found kind of a one, Compass as a location now uh, was like a one-year sublease situation when we found it. It was kind of like a little bit of a, a kind of like, well, if we give it one year, we can always like turn around and say we gave it a try, you know, type of thing. It wasn't a five-year lease right off the gate. So I think that was like reassuring for her and I. Um, and then we just said, hey, we want to open a place where instead of having one single core focus or one single owner belief in way of running things, like what if this was trainer owned? What if we had a lot of different modalities and class sizes? And what if it was in a really large space with kid care and big classes and events, things like that. So that was kind of the drive for Compass's existence. That's awesome. I think I knew part of the story, but you know, hearing you tell it, it's always so nice to hear. And with that, you know, when you were opening up, was it welcomed? Were other were people excited to see you and Heather opening up your own space? Yes, I would say people were really excited. Uh, we had a lot of support right at the get go. And again, you know, her and I had spent 10 years, you know, building our reputation, building our quality of class building connections in this community and you know when it was time to call upon all of those people you know they showed up and and you know we had just kind of made a name for ourselves over the years and that really came in handy and knew you know people knew that we were going to hire teachers that were going to be of a certain standard you know that we were going to do things the best that we could and really put community first, put safety first, put fun first, and um, that's just what we tried to do. Well, I think you guys have hit all of that, um, especially as someone who has taken <laughs> some of your classes. Um, I love you. to get my butt kicked by you. <laughs> feels great. Next day might be a little sore, yeah. but it feels great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, good. Um, so, yeah, how did then, you know, obviously you have now been part of 5280's Wellness Boost and that event, and how mm -hmm. have how do you feel that you've really helped shape the Denver fitness scene as the Denver fitness scene has really continued to grow? Because I think there's obviously a lot of options here and yeah, you know, it fluctuates. Yeah. It's uh, it's so funny. It's like, it's really hard for me to like even take what you just said as reality that I've like impacted the Denver fitness community. It's just, it's so weird. Like, because I just do it and it's just, funny and I'll, I'll take it as a compliment and not rebuttal you like I typically do um, when that happens. But yeah, it's, uh, I've thought about that. Like what about myself has, you know, made an impact. And I think, you know, traveling back before 5280 wellness boost, which was in January or February of this year, um, Phil Galavis, who owns sound off Colorado, him and I were doing these pop up like single class yoga and fitness events uh, in classes that were with sound off. And so they were all over the city. And I had a really extreme connection to the McNichols building down in Civic Center Park. And um, they asked him and I to put on like a three-day fitness festival. So we did that in August of 2018. And we, it was three days and we did it over the course of a weekend and we had probably 350 people there. And it was like, we had like 25 classes. It was like 25 bucks for the whole weekend, 
all this stuff. And then that was so, you know, McNichols loved it. We had a good time. They were like, will you do this again? So we turned around and did it again like four months later, like in January of 2019. And that event, we tripled its size. We had over 850 people over the course of the weekend. It was during the Women's March and also a blizzard over the course of the weekend. We still had that many people. And we had over 45 classes. It was 25 bucks. And I think what we were trying to do for that event was highlight all of the amazing boutique small studios that were in Denver and the many ways that you could choose to move your body here. Everything from dance to Pilates to yoga to HIIT training to spin to boxing to all of these things and highlight the camaraderie I think that this city has in the form of boutique studios that I've heard doesn't exist in a lot of other cities. And so um, that was really cool. And then fast forward about six months and Phil heard about 5280. They actually called him about doing a silent disco with the headphones. And they started telling him about the event. And he was like, um, hold on. <laughs> Do you know that like my business partner and I have kind of already done this? And they were like, what? And he's like, let, me let us just sit down with you. And so we sat down with them and they were like, so can we hire you to co-produce this with us? And we're like, sure. And so they kind of brought this level of professionalism as far as like the decor and they brought really some really cool elements to make it a full wellness event versus just fitness and yoga and like movement. They brought in specialty panel speakers. They had really good food and different type of vendors. And so it kind of like, you know, married those worlds, what we had done plus their kind of expertise in the business. And we put on a really cool event right before COVID happened. Yeah. I don't know if I really answered your question um, about that, but I think that my end statement is like that Denver is really unique in the amount of really good quality teachers and studios in that we all know that each other has to exist and should exist versus being like super, super competitive. And I think all three of those events highlighted that in that, you know, bringing people together. I'm like an Enneagram nine. I love peace. I love collaboration. I love that. And so if that's my imprint, you know, in my career is that I brought people together either to move or to highlight people's businesses, then I will be very satisfied with that. Yeah. No, I think Denver is unique in that in general with a lot of different industries, specifically fitness, because that collaboration over competition is huge here. I, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it any other places I go where people are like, so we want to bring these people and, oh, wait, my friend over here does this. Let me bring them too. Because <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. we all need to be there yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. And, like, good news travels fast. And, you know, we know the power of that. And so that's just been kind of our motto from the beginning. So when you're not training clients and teaching amazing classes, how do you train yourself? How do you make that make sports and fitness and wellness part of your life for like for your me time? Yeah, you know that's really been an, an interesting evolution. Um, I think as most you know organized athletes, you know organized sport athletes do after high school or college, you're kind of lost in the form of like the way you've trained and moved and competed no longer really exists and so you know for a while I did some you know volleyball and basketball kind of rec leagues or whatever and then you know when I was teaching fitness I realized kind of like snowboarding like I can't really 
do a lot of things like if I get injured like I don't have a job and so I we kind of got hurt a little bit playing basketball I was like I think I'm too old for this anymore I don't know if I can do it and so I had like that phase that I weaved out of and then as far as training you know the last few years I have just kind of you know there's not unless I were to compete in CrossFit which I have no interest in doing there's not and I, I've tried long distance running. I, I did some half marathons. I trained for a marathon. I ended up not doing it because I got an IT band injury. But aside from CrossFit and running, like there's no real adult competition for like fitness. And it's kind of a bummer. And we've talked about it at Compass a bit. We've tried to like do some events or even go to some that we're kind of trying to do that. But there's no real way to like compete if you're not doing those two things. And so what I've learned for my body is just like, I really like versatility. And I really try to listen to what my body craves throughout the year. Like I I know in summertime, like, I just crave being outside. I love being in nature. I love being away from the gym where nobody needs anything from me in the moment. And I run, you know, two to four times a week in the summer. And then when the winter comes, and I spend more time in the gym, I kind of hit more of like a strength training focus and more of like, um, just like an overall fitness type of thing. But, you know, things over the years, like, you know, my body has kind of told me what it likes to do and also the way it likes to push. And um, I just try to try to listen to that and also be fueled by that and push myself and also know that, like, I want to be moving when I'm in my 70s. Like, I don't want to kill myself now just because I have an ego about it and then, like, be seriously injured or have terrible knees and not be able to do anything when I'm, like, 60. So that's been kind of like my transition into what being an athlete is, is like, I want to be really well rounded. I want to have a healthy body with like working muscles and joints and have fun while I do it. And I think that's so important because I think so many people, I think, especially right now where we don't have finish lines, that people aren't realizing that you still need to stay active just to live a normal life yeah. because if you have kids you have to yeah. pick them up all the time <laughs> and yeah. or even just if you get a delivery from Amazon and it's a giant box like you have to be able to pick it up <laughs> yeah yeah totally and I think you know my idea of health has really changed in the last few years I just spent the last year in nutritional therapy school and realized I had some massive blood sugar issues and a couple of years back got a blood panel and realized my testosterone was pretty low and And, you know, I think as we age, like, our idea, our broader picture of overall health changes, and we realize, oh, like, maybe I was over-exercising for five years, and it's caused some major adrenal problems, and, like, how do I fix that? And, you know, kind of a broader scope of of what that really looks like, instead of just this, like, one-track mind, you know, type of thing. So, yeah, I think that plays a huge role. I think that's an interesting thought process there, too, of saying, you know, for you, how has something changed, you know, 10 years ago for your mindset around fitness to today? Yeah, and that was a huge motivator for even the name of our gym, Compass, like this whole tagline of find your direction. Like, you might be pregnant one year, you might have a severe injury, like you can't just get on this one track of like, this is what I do for 10 years, and I do it every day. And like, a, your body is very adaptable and very efficient fuel machine, like it will figure out a way to make a demand easier and easier and you have to continue to challenge it in new ways or else it adapts and it becomes easier. And so that was why another reason that we kind of went with the gym model that we did is because like 
maybe this week I really want to go to down and dirty for three times, but the next week I want to like take a trampoline class. Like that being able to do that was something that was really important to us. And then personally, how do you think your mindset, what's the biggest shifts you think in your mindset in the past 10 years? You know, as, as far as being an athlete or what particular? Yeah. As far as being an athlete and how you're kind of your approach to fitness and wellness. I think, you know, what I said about being really versatile, you know, I want to be strong and fast. I want to be able to squat 150 pounds and also like run 10 miles on a Saturday if I want to. Like that to me, like is the definition of an athlete. Yes, there's the type of athletes that are like really good at the shot put or really good at one thing. And there's totally like a trajectory for that type of athlete. But I think for me, as I age, like that's where I challenge myself. And yeah, it's just with the fit, the fitness industry is sometimes I feel a little bit, I have a, a real problem with it. I'm sure everyone that's in it does just because of some of the ugly and it's a lot of it has changed over the last 10 years. Same with food. I would put food and nutrition in a similar kind of ugly bucket. You know, if not addressed and not faced fully, there's some kind of patterns and image stuff that gets wrapped up in there that gets people injured, that gets people kind of caught in a bad cycle. So yeah, I think it's just like, individually people need to figure out what's important to them is it having a community and going to classes is it getting stronger is it becoming more mobile is it you know getting healthier overall like on a food level like I think the trajectory needs to be what does my individual health look like and what do I need to get done and what am I motivated by and how do I learn what's best for me yeah I completely agree with that because I think for at least from my experience, what I've seen from people lots of times, their first reason for going to the gym or getting into some sort of recreational sport or whether they're picking up running, cycling, whatever, is, yeah. you know, step one is they want to look good. And then they realize they start to look better and then they slowly start to feel better. And then you have to start integrating all those other things into it. And then yeah. they eventually get to that overall health. Yeah, and I think athletes have a even better understanding because they know there's so many other benefits to that. Like, it's not new information to somebody who's been an athlete their whole life that, like, oh, there's, you know, you have, like, better sleep and, you know, you feel that adrenaline kick and your hormones are better and your digestion's better. And there's all these things that are, you know, outside of just, like, looking good, you know. But, um, but I think people – quickly if they don't already know that realize it pretty quick into doing it yeah I'm like sometimes that's just an added benefit that your clothes fit yeah. better even though I'm like I put on a pair of jeans for the first time in months the other day <laughs> it's like oh yeah I don't really like jeans still <laughs> oh my god I know I I try like I always try to like get dressed like once a week because you know like in non-workout gear because I'm just in it all the time and then, like, you know, when it's hot, it, like, is tighter. I'm like, I just don't know if I want to do this today. And, like, also jean shorts. Like, those are sticky and hot and tight. Yeah. As well. Same department. But, yeah, no, I think for a lot of people, I mean, personally, I think when I was growing up with sports and, you know, it's nothing against my coaches, just their lack of nutrition understanding. Oh, God. Was huge. And I'm, I don't know if that's changed in sports, especially with high school level athletes or amateur athletes that now we're having those conversations about nutrition and just 
overall health and wellness because I know for skiing, we our coaches put so much focus on our quad strength, but then people kept yeah. blowing out their knees, and then it was like, oh, yeah. yeah, we got to train the other side of that leg too. Yeah. Oh, Alex, I mean, so many things there. First of all, the quad thing. I remember showing showing up to college, and like the first day in the weight room, they were like, their big thing was like the quad like leg extension machine and the hamstring machine. They were like, these two numbers need to match or else you're going to get an ACL tear. And I was like, okay, like that's really all we're going to go over as far as like, okay, it was like a big point. Um, so that was funny. But like, if I would have known a 10th of the information, you know, in high school and college that I know now about nutrition, like things would have been so different. Like I remember playing club volleyball all day on a Sunday and we would be eating like those sugar cookies that you like, remember the Pillsbury like log that was like cookie dough that you would like slice. Mm -hmm. It would be like those cookies like dipped in funfetti icing. Like that's what we would be eating between games. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, first of all, just a bunch of hydrogenated oils and sugar galore and like no nutritional value. And then sports drinks and just the, the way that these athletes like output energy all day. And nobody says anything about it. I mean, I don't know to answer your question if things have changed in the high school or college department, but like. It is beyond me now knowing what I know, like that nobody says anything or there's no real direction. And then you have the sports that like are so body image focused or like size focused, you know that there's just a bunch of crap going on there. So I don't know. I'm always curious and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just wait for my niece to grow up and see what, see what things are like and insert myself where I can to be like, yeah. So, yeah, this is what this is yeah. our 20, 30 years yeah. ago. So <laughs> let's let's have that different mindset because I think exactly. even, I mean, in so many sports, it, you know, it probably didn't help growing up in the 90s and early 2000s where it was so much focused on what you looked like and a certain persona that went with a certain sport. I mean, lucky for me, volleyball and basketball wasn't too looks focused, but geez, I mean, I, there's a lot of sports that are, that's for sure. Yeah, skiing wasn't very look look focused either. You're like in a helmet and goggles. <laughs> no one's gonna see you. Yeah, yeah. No one's paying attention. Yeah, yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the fitness industry some more and kind of yeah. what do you think the fitness industry could really do better? I think lots of changes are obviously happening because mm -hmm. of COVID and closures and people having to change how they were how fitness is being done are you finding that now it's becoming more accessible and more inclusive let me think about that um well i think there's a lot more opportunity maybe to like move in your own home like with people and teachers that you want to i mean we had put having an online platform at the bottom of our to-do list for two years and then we were forced to do it within 12 hours so we figured it out and that was a lesson that you can always figure something out that you think would be really hard and long to do very shortly, very quickly. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's, there's just so much there. So it's hard to like kind of break down your question because we have things like Peloton and the mirror and all these like kind of bigger branded things that I think are doing, they're trying to make it more personal. And then you have studios like ours and doing 
you know, the classes that we do at our own gym. It's like, it's our same personalities, our same formats. Like it's truly compass online is a, a great replication of what we do in person, obviously without the collective energy of other humans in the room, but we're still as dorky. They're still as hard. Um, and you know, we feel like $49 a month, you know, for unlimited access, you get a, a, a new live class every day. There's over a hundred videos in there. You can search for by equipment or by teacher or, you know, by format, whatever you want. Um, so I think there's some really cool, positive creations coming out of this COVID year um, with movement. I do know that the mental health aspect of some of our members who, because of, you know, being extreme risk or whatever, haven't come back to the gym that have expressed to us or like, oh my God, like without Compass Online, like, I don't know what I would do. Like just hearing your guys' voice and like your one funny story you say at the beginning of class, like has made me feel connected in a way that I craved so, you know, badly before maybe even took, you know, advantage or what's the word? Like I took it for granted, but I think the mental health piece of people being at home has been hard and is not the same as being there in person. We have this running joke at Compass that, you know, the first week we opened, everyone was like, well, no longer the days when I hate the move on the screen and I just don't do it, or I walk away, or I do something in the kitchen. Like, I'm back in real life, and it was kind of like this funny, you know, joke we all were saying, and and it is different being in person. But then, you know, when you ask about accessibility, it's like we're in between kind of a rock and a hard place. Like the profit margin of owning a brick and mortar fitness or yoga studio is not high. Like for what it costs to have the building for everything from mind, body online to utilities to whatever it, it it's expensive and paying teachers and all of that and what people will pay for a class. It's the numbers are just pretty tight. How, so it's like this fine line of having a price that works, but also you know, not having it be so high that it prices people out. And that's something that I've really struggled with in, you know, this industry over the last many years of accessibility. Um, so I love the fact that we do have Compass Online. I feel like that's a very fair price for what people receive. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been tough. And then you put you know, all of the things that studios have had to do, social distancing and extra cleaning and mask mandates. And, you know, luckily we have almost 7,000 square feet. So with six feet apart, we have 20 boxes, 26 foot boxes that are six feet apart. Like, and that's like the top, you know, we're following every rule we can wearing the masks. And we went from having 30 people cap to now 19 plus the teacher. And so sometimes the numbers just don't add up. And we're of course looking at the longevity of this virus of like, what is it going to look like for the year? Um, so it's really, I feel kind of torn. It's like, I want people to be able to move and I want people to have access to movement in a really inviting, safe, fun space, even if it's in their home. But then, you know, all of us owners, we have multiple side gigs. Like, you know, Heather does real estate. I do nutrition consulting. I personal train. Taylor's a finance guy. Tara, you know, we all have our side gigs because we have to. And I wish that wasn't the case, but it's just kind of the way that it's worked out. So um, it'll be interesting how this, this next year unfolds. And I think about all the studios that have already closed. 
and I have a lot of studio friends that are trying everything. And like we were talking before we started throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what sticks until something changes again. I think that's there. I think we're all feeling that. And, you know, especially in space, like you kind of have to have some other side hustles and other sources right now. Um, I mean, I started nannying a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. So that is that is now my Monday through Friday. Um, nice. 10 to 3 job most days. I get to hang out with a really cute almost five-month-old. And yeah, yeah. And the thing yeah. is, I'm doing a lot more squats because she likes oh, when my you're God, taking, adorable. like putting her down for a nap. She likes the movement of squatting. <laughs> so it's like you're sitting there <laughs> holding an extra like 12, yeah, like extra, like an extra 12 pounds is doing some squats. Double benefit. But it is, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, awesome. well, this was, this, this is a whole new different ball game. <laughs> but I think for a lot of, you know, that also speaks, I think, to a lot of entrepreneurs and to a lot of athletes is, constantly having that drive and knowing that all right this is just one hurdle in this adventure and I need to do this now so that yeah later I can continue with this yeah and I think you're right the athletic mindset of like what's in front of me now what do I have to deal with right here and do that to my best ability and know that I'll get new information and then I'll have to adapt and change again and that's okay and um having people that are either in that with you or support you along the way is, is huge. And, you know, we relied on our community a lot. The first seven weeks of, co- of the quarantine, you know, we did all donation-based classes on Facebook. We did up to, you know, one to three live classes a day. It was all donation-based. And then when we switched over to the Compass Online membership, you know, anybody that had a Compass Fitness membership, we gave it to them for free for six months. We also rented out our entire studio to our members, got up to five pieces of equipment for free. You know, anything that we could do to keep them on their membership, we kind of gave them the option of, you know, canceling. Because, you know, when, when quarantine, we were like, was well, this going to be one month or is this going to be a year? Like nobody knew. And so we gave all of our members that were paying a membership monthly, like, you can drop off, you can lower it, you can stay on, like, there's no judgment. We all know everyone's in a different financial state, but we did everything we could to provide a continue or to continue to provide value, even with our doors closed. I mean, we even had, I did nutritional video, like I did like these recipe, like cooking shows. I was like, I've never done that before. Like Facebook live, I like made recipes live. Taylor did trivia like Jeopardy. And it was a riot. I mean, it was so funny, but we were just trying to be as creative as possible and also to keep people sane and connected. Um, and looking back, it's just, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Let's talk about the nutrition stuff a little bit. Oh, yeah. What, you know, going into that, what was your, the biggest reason why you're like, I want to pursue this additional training now? You know, uh, I have been looking for a nutrition program, I would say over the past five years, and I just could not find one that wasn't just like basic, here's what food is, and here's a nutrition plan, and everyone should follow it. It was just like very basic everywhere I looked, Um, and I was like, oh, should I just go back to school and get my nutrition degree, but then I heard things like, you know, that that wasn't even up to date, and I just wanted a more holistic approach, and obviously like my dad died at 47 and I, there were just some things that I still wanted to learn as to why that happened and obviously be as healthy as I could be. And, and there's a part of, you know, working in the movement fitness world, 
I can only help people so far. Like when they are with me for an hour and then turn and walk away out the door, I, I don't see them the rest of their life and they're eating the whole time. I mean, like it, you know, and food is so much a part of health. It's so much a part of weight and energy and hormones and sleep and all of these things. And I was just like, I want to know more so I can help people in a, a much more, you know, diverse and intentional way. And so I met a few people that had done this program through the Nutritional Therapy Association, uh, which is the NTA. And the, the training I got is to be what's called an FNTP, which is a Functional Nutritional Therapy Practitioner. And so it was a year long, and it was very intense. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of work. And basically, the difference, like FNTPs look at the whole person, and we look at all the systems that are working in the body to define overall health versus just what we put in our mouth. But what happens before we put the food in our mouth? What happens inside our bodies? What happens after? And how do all the roles of our life play a role in that? So um, yeah, I'm so happy that I did it. And I graduated the end of May. And like before I could like even promote that I was doing it I had like a handful of clients kind of just waiting um and a lot of people that you know had tried different you know diets or approaches to eating or had worked out their whole life and still didn't see the results they wanted I mean every age bracket um autoimmune disease um blood sugar issues digestion stuff um it's been it's been really cool and I'm so happy to be doing it and I work one on one with people and then I'm in the process of creating four online courses so people can have access to a lot of the information without me. What's the biggest thing you would love athletes to know about nutrition? Oh, Alex, that's a good one. Okay. Well, I will say, okay, because because this was a big, big lesson for my own health, my biggest takeaway, I mean, I learned a lot about my dad and like st stomach acid is huge, the ways we've been lied to about fat, especially saturated fat, second thing, but I would say the top for me is around blood sugar, and I think athletes need to know this because working out is a stress on the body, sugar is a stress on the body lack of sleep is a stress like what happens Alex is like stress becomes inflammation becomes cellular damage becomes disease so people need to really understand that that is why we get sick and there are many many stresses in our lives some of which we chalk up to oh it's just the way that it is oh I own my own business I'm gonna be stressed or oh I'm a professional athlete I'm just gonna feel like shit all the time whatever it is but like literally that is the pattern of how we get sick and if we don't address all of the ways in which we stress out our bodies in this life, like that sickness will come a lot earlier than people expect. And so blood sugar regulation is one major way to address stress in our lives. And so I just spent the last month beta testing a product. It's one of the first continuous glucose monitors for non-diabetics out in the market. So I basically had this monitor on my body for a month straight and I got real-time data of what my blood sugar was all the time. So I saw the effects that meals had, that lack of sleep had, that stress had, that working out, that running, that lifting weights. I got real-time data as to how my body was responding to the stress in my life. That is so cool. Like I wouldn't even think of what my, what is my blood sugar at? Like that never – I don't think I've ever oh even – 
had my blood yeah. sugar tested for anything. Oh, it is a major contributor. I mean, um, blood sugar and insulin and cortisol and your adrenals all have this very intricate relationship that can be thrown very quickly and if not watched over time becomes a major problem. And that was what was interesting for me is like basically 10 years ago, I saw a medical intuitive that my mom's MD recommended and she got me eating a particular way. I'll call it a little bit more paleo, but it's actually a very anti-inflammatory diet. So not a lot of grain, not a lot of sugar, not a lot of dairy. So I've been eating that way for 10 years. School taught me why that was great. And then at the end of school, when I was stressed beyond belief uh, during a pandemic, opening a second and third business amidst that, I realized, I, I, start, I read this book called Wired to Eat, and it was by, it's by Rob Wolf, and it's about blood sugar, and he asked that you ordered a glucometer, like a prick your finger blood like diabetics do. And the whole point of the book was doing carb testing, so understanding what carbs affected your blood sugar. Like you might have a higher spike with a banana than you do a cookie, and I might be the other way around. So individually looking at how our bodies process carbohydrates and sugar. So I started testing my fasting glucose, so right when you wake up before you eat or drink anything. And I did that for a month, and half of the time I was waking up in a pre-diabetic state, which is anywhere so non-diabetics is any a blood sugar level of anywhere below 100 pre-diabetic is 100 to 125 and then diabetic is 125 or above and like here I am this like healthy gym owner eating you know basically the best things for me and yet my blood sugar was showing a very different story and so there's just so much I could talk a whole podcast about blood sugar at this point but um I think that blood sugar and continuous glucose monitoring is going to be like the next step, you know, like the next Fitbit or the next step counter. Like it's going to provide people with so much information. I mean, that makes so much sense. Did you see when you started tracking your, your blood sugar, did you see what changes did you start seeing? Did you start feeling better? Did you start performing better? Was it? Uh... Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, a big one for me too was actually during quarantine I was forced because we were closed. I started sleeping regularly, meaning I wasn't getting up at 4 a.m. or 3.45. I also was going to bed at 10 and getting up at 6. My body started to have a regular sleep cycle, which was a huge, huge, huge change to my blood sugar and the insulin resistance that was happening. Um, so, A, I was, like, way more energized. It's 2 p.m. on every day. Um, B, I was getting way more sleep, had way better energy. Um, and then throughout the month of wearing the monitor, some some personal, I mean, there's a lot that is changing, but like for me personally, um, you're, you're, what you're trying to do, Alex, is you're trying not to spike so high and crash so low. So you're trying to get your blood sugar to be more wave-like is kind of the goal. And so the, the there's many ways you can, things you can do to get that done. But for me, um, one of them was increasing my metabolic flexibility, which means I am able to utilize protein and fat and turn it into fuel efficiently. We are very – carbohydrates and sugar are everywhere. It's just the land that we live in. Uh, and so our bodies are used to getting energy from carbs and sugar, which it needs to. Our body is runs very efficiently off of carbs, but it needs to also know how to how to do the other two fat and protein, it needs to know how to do that as well. 
And so I was trying to, I was snacking all the time or going or just major bottoming out and trying to rely off of caffeine um, to kind of get through my busy days. So my goal was to extend the time between meals I ate and actually sit down and eat real meals instead of kind of being in this sympathetic fight or flight mode all the time. Um, so that was like a really big one for me. And then I remember the first day I put on the monitor, I, wo I woke up and I had my very first cup of coffee. I have one cup of coffee with like my favorite coffee creamer in it. And it put me at 155, which is diabetic zone. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is how I'm starting every day. Like one cup of coffee does this to me. So I played around like with what I put in it and I made it two half calf cups instead and I totally changed cut the creamer out and I did cashew milk and it was it just was kind of is a wild ride I'll tell you that much it was very humbling and also taught me a lot and that company is called okay. levels or levels health um, and they're again one of the first continuous glucose monitors um, it's not even out yet like they're kind of on a wait list right now but that's who I use that makes so much sense, so much sense because when you're like you're spiking you have those ups and downs and if you're constantly in the state where you're going up and then you're going down like of course you're going to be all over the place with everything that's going yeah. on in your life not even just thinking about working out and performance yeah. because if you're you, you get lucky and and you're feeling great that's when you're working out and then you go later on mm -hmm. i mean with running we hear about it all the time how the biggest thing that I think the misconception, especially with endurance sports, is they say you're hitting the wall, but really hitting the wall just means you're under, you're dehydrated and you're you have no nutrition left. And they're not saying like, oh, it's because yeah. it's not because like you're hitting mile twenty. It's because you're hitting mile twenty and there's nothing left in the tank. You're you're exactly right. And so two things to that point. First of all, like bonking is a blood sugar crash. And if your body has no ability to transfer into a different fuel source, it will do that. And the levels in which you bottom out can be pretty extreme. So it's not only fueling in the form of like food and water and hydration, but it's also the rest of the, the other parts of your life. How is your body able to digest and utilize your dinner the night before you run? It's like it's all encompassing. People like try to just look at the run itself when it's your whole life. You know, and a really interesting run specific thing I think you'll find fascinating is like when I would run, I run from my house to Wash Park, it's a mile, and then like I do a couple laps or, you know, whatever I wanted to do distance wise. Well, I was noticing right before putting the monitor on that I would always hit my first kind of little bonk around 22 to 25 minutes. Didn't matter how fast I was going, whatever, it was always around that minute marker. So when I was in school, I learned that your body goes to your liver first and your liver has about a hundred calories worth of glucose there that it can use so it uses that first and then when it's out of that it goes to if you are working out running or lifting weights whatever it is it will go to your skeletal muscles next if you're not working out and you're like you know hanging out on the couch doing work and you use all the liver and the glucose or all the glucose in your liver it won't go to your muscles because you're not working out but working out it goes to your skeletal muscles next and then it has about 400 calories worth of glucose there and then it kind of goes into stored fat and things like that but what i was realizing is that i was hitting this little bonk moment it wasn't enough to like make me stop but i would almost tell myself okay here it is like just wait a few minutes like you'll feel better in a second and what i started to notice when i put the monitor on it was exactly that time I would be at my dip. It was to the second. I would go back and look at the report 
and it was exactly at that 22 to 24 minute mark would be my lowest blood sugar and then my body would find a new access of glucose so whether it was you know transferring from liver to skeletal muscle skeletal muscle to the next thing i could see your blood sugar levels rise because your body is in a state of panic of of like shit we got to figure this out so your blood sugar actually rises on its own and so watching that process in data like during my i mean after my run was over i'd go back and look was like really fascinating to see it kind of all play out oh yeah that's so cool what can i what other data can we add in and like analyze when i get home from a workout <laughs> talked a little bit about sleeping more what do you think like how do you rest and recover how does that play a role into everything that you do now? Yeah, I think, you know, my rest and recovery's changed because my ability to output has changed. You know, like a few years ago, I could I call them like on my feet hours, like whether I'm teaching or personal training or working out myself, I could do that like 5 or 6 hours in a day and now I can do like 3 to 4 maybe. 2 to 3 is kind of my preference, so like I'm not teaching four classes and having two clients and working out myself whereas before I I got that done and my body is just kind of, you know, I'm 36. It's kind of changed trajectories a little bit on that. So yeah, I think, um, the sleep like has just balanced me out. I mean, there would come at, I mean, there was times where I, I was like, okay, two o'clock is where I, I know I will not be able to use my brain anymore. So like, I can't do anything creative. I can't plan a class. I can't have a meeting after two and now that I'm sleeping more that is very much changed and I can actually like be on this podcast and I can like go for a walk after dinner and like not feel like death and so my recovery has been a lot different um you know I like to take one to two rest days a week and that means like I'm not working out myself I find great joy in nature I have added hiking to my you know activities of like longer more intense hikes so yeah, I mean, my recovery looks like not moving my body. Um, I like to infrared sauna. I like to go on walks. I like to cook. I meditate twice a day. I do transcendental meditation or TM. I've done that for seven years. So, yeah, I think I just have really felt kind of an age shift in the last year. I think school highlighted some things that I was trying to ignore. And then... I think just in this last year, like my body has, has started to change and I've, I've started to kind of make some shifts, especially in the recovery department. No, I, I hear you on, on, on that. Yes. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I really do need to do this more. And I mean, I know yeah. I personally got into the bad habit of, I'm just going to Norma check on a Friday night and watch a movie. Maybe this is why I'm single. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my life, girl. Don't I know. Even worry I'm like, about um, it. I don't want to go out with someone new. I'm just going to do this instead. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And then we'll have a pandemic and I'll just encourage it even more. Yeah. It's fine. It's like, um, yeah, you're taking into me time because you're not worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just throw on Yellowstone, put the boots. I mean, we can talk go. about that afterwards. I don't know if you're caught up or not. Have you watched right. the season finale? Oh, I watched <laughs> all of it. I am waiting for season four. Same here. Yeah. Um, okay. I have one last question about compass and then a few like rapid yeah. fire ones. Um, when, so when someone shows sure. up for their first compass class, how do you want them feel to feel when they walk out the door? 
Oh, gosh. This is a big one for me and something we talk about a lot as a staff. Like, I want them to be like, wow, this is a community that's full of support. I got a great workout. I felt individually pushed in a group scenario, and I can't wait to come back. Like, that's how I want people to feel. Like, they got individual attention in a group situation and felt like they were there was a safe space for them to be exactly who they are and just feel totally welcome back. Yeah, I think you guys do do a great job of that. And obviously I haven't been oh, since you. everything reopened, but prior it was great. I loved it when we had did like team days and things like that. I know we've kind of done that from our boxes, like a partner workout within your box. So it's more like a partner yeah. time thing, but I know yeah. I miss those. I miss those. What, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Oh gosh. Um, oh, Alex, you stunned me on this. Um, I think I'm just most proud of individually, like my heart and the, what I've been told is just like the way people feel in my presence. I think, and that is evolved into my presence at the gym and just presence in our space with our other teachers too just that like I think I'm very heart forward and I'm even trying to be more vulnerable as I age but I think you know with the death of my dad at 16 and my brother almost dying when I was in my 20s um when I think life stuff happens to you at an early age you just kind of have a different perspective on this our time here and what is worthy of stress, what is worthy of disconnection um, is a little bit different than maybe someone who hasn't. And so I, I just feel like I have this belief that our time here can be shorter than we might think. And so like, how do I best use it? And how do I want people to feel in my presence? And so I think that is, you know, what I'm most proud of. What are you ambitious for right now? Oh, man, I'm ambitious for working smarter, not harder. <laughs> I've worked very hard in my life and in my career, and I don't always think – I think, of course, it's smart, but I just think I've kind of killed myself sometimes in the process. And so I think I'm ambitious for really speaking my gifts out loud. I have a tendency to kind of, like, blend it in the background and not think I'm what I'm doing is very special, and I think, like – recognizing my gifts, putting them out there and finding creative and smarter ways to be successful is, is what I'm, I'm lining up with right now. God, I'm right there with you with all of that. Smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. What is one piece of advice you think every athlete needs to hear? God, to take care of themselves. <laughs> uh, it will serve them. I think in their sport, in their highly competitive time of life, and then after when that starts to change, is like be excited about the competition, but be interested in the overall big picture of like how this plays out over their life. That's some great advice right there. And then final question, you've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but what does being an athlete mean to you? I think being an athlete is like, being able to see your shit and also being able to see opportunities for growth 
and know the difference between the two and be able to evolve as your body evolves and like just be curious about the whole thing like the mental part the emotional part the physical part and know that each part is equally as important i love that well i'm sure we can keep talking but <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today jillian how can our listeners connect with you so I'm in the pro my website is currently being updated, but my website is just my first and last name. It's same with my Instagram. It's just all JillianKevney.com or at JillianKevney. That would be the probably the easiest way. Or coming to Compass Fitness or Compass Wellness in person, um, that would be another option. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. That was a really great conversation with Jillian at Compass. I could have talked to her for hours, especially once we got into that nutrition area. I think there's so many questions that all of us still have unanswered about nutrition and performance and how all of that works and impacts our daily lives. But I totally found all that interesting when we were talking about blood sugar. And now I really want to know what mine is like. But if you liked this episode, please rate and review us wherever you're listening today. And what does being an athlete mean to you? Connect with us on Instagram at Behind the Sweat or by hashtagging your post with Behind the Sweat. We all sweat hard. Now share your Behind the Sweat story.